Welcome if you're here visiting with us for the first time today. It's great to have you here. Um, excellent. Why don't I pray for us and uh, we'll look at God's word together. Father, we thank you for your goodness and mercy to us and Jesus. We thank you, Lord, that you're a God who listens to our prayers and that because of Jesus, we can pray to you. Uh, we pray, Lord, that you would help us to put into practice what we read today. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I must admit, I do find it a little bit, a bit hard to pray. I'm not a great prayer, not the greatest of prayers. I have to put little sticket notes on my computer screen to remind me to pray. I have to, um, I've got an app on my phone, which is a great app, I'll show you it later on if you want to see it, which reminds me to pray and pray for certain things. I really like it. Um, I have to write them down. I like, I like prayer meetings for churches because then I'm forced to pray and it's a good thing for me. I don't mind that. It's good. And added to that, you know, I'm... I'm um, I'm a sinful human being and sometimes I struggle with trust and doubt and I wonder if God is really listening and answering my prayers. I wonder if you have the same uh, issues. As we read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, one of the things we learned very quickly is that Jesus prayed and he prayed a lot. He prayed at his baptism. He would withdraw sometimes when things got a little bit hectic and crazy, go up the mountain to pray. Uh, he prayed for wisdom when he prepared to choose the 12 disciples. He prayed after feeding the 5,000. He prayed before his crucifixion and he prayed at his crucifixion. Jesus prayed a lot. There are lots more examples we could go into. He prayed early, he prayed often, uh, he prayed for a good long time. In fact, it seems that whenever, whenever anything of major importance popped up in, in the Gospels, well, we find Jesus praying. And we also see, we also find his disciples watching on and listening in. And that, friends, that is the type of scenario we come to in Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11 verse 1 says this, One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished... One of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Now, the word disciple actually means learner. Uh, so if you're a, you're a disciple, you're a learner. Uh, the disciples were learners and they were disciples of Jesus. And so to follow Jesus means you want to learn from him. You want to learn from your Lord, the Lord Jesus. These disciples wanted to learn how to pray like Jesus prayed. And the disciples... And like the disciples, I should say, if we too are followers of Jesus, we should eagerly desire the same kind of a prayer life as Jesus. So today, let, let's come with that same question. The question we see in verse 1. Let's come with that question, Lord, teach us to pray. All right? As you think about that, I'm going to go and get my clicker. Which I have a habit of forgetting. Here we go. Maybe we'll put it at the front next time. Okay, so if you're following the outline, we're looking at the, the, the first point in our outline, which is the first thing Jesus says in uh, answer to the disciples' questions. When you pray, say, Father. Prayer, friends, prayer is, prayer is relational. God is not some unmoved mover. Uh, he's not some mystical force like Star Wars. Uh, he's, he's not some um, big policeman in the sky. When we follow Jesus, we enter into a personal relationship between God and us. And when we pray our Father, which Jesus invites us to pray, we're making a very clear statement 
about the relationship we have with God. Now, the only person, well, there's really only one person that I call honey, and she's my wife. All right? I, I do get a bit uncomfortable when people come and when people call me darling or pet or sweetie. It tends to be people who are a slightly older generation than me. I wonder if you've had that experience. Um, I don't think there's anyone here who calls me darling, pet or sweetie. As I walked out, there is now, yeah. (laughs) There it is. (laughs) Thanks, pet. Um, No, I can't do it. It's just uncomfortable. It's not right, is it? Maybe kids, you're, um, you know, if you're listening in, maybe uh, your mum and dad have nicknames for each other, you know? I've got a few here, maybe they, snuggle bum, um, <laughs> cutie pie, honey bunny, schnookums, um, that sort of thing. Maybe that's what mum and dad call each other. I can only imagine. See, the way we speak to someone demonstrates and shows the type of a relationship we have with them, doesn't it? It does do that. Uh, the way we can call God Father, well, that shows something about the relationship that we have with God because of Jesus. It tells something of that relationship. Now, this was not something that a a Jewish man, such as these disciples, would have done, mind you. But this is the way that Jesus prayed. And what was revolutionary about this is that Jesus invites his followers to do the same, to call God our Father. We can speak to God in a way that's, in that same trusting way, just like a child would his or her father. The Bible says that when we believe in Jesus Christ... God gives us the right to become children of God. That's in John chapter 1. Then to help us to know that we really are his children, God gives us his spirit. And part of the spirit's work is to help us to pray, to pray as children to the Father. That's what Romans chapter 8, 15 and 16 says. The spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship and by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. So with the help of the Spirit and through faith and trust in the Son, we pray to God as our Father, coming to him as loving sons and daughters. The problem is that some of us, though, haven't had good fathers. That's hard, isn't it? So the concept of God being a loving heavenly Father well, that might even grate a little. That, that might be a tough one to grasp. But here's what the Bible urges us to do. It urges us to get to know God the Father through the Scriptures. Rather than any earthly comparisons, even if you've had the most magnificent Father around. hope my boys are listening. Okay. Um, that, get, that, where's God? You see, it's in the Scriptures that we learn that God is the ideal Father who cares for his children, who loves, listens to us, who understands what we need, who loves us with an everlasting love, who always knows what's truly best. And as the song that we heard to as we walked in this morning, uh, God is perfect in all of his ways. Now, it's this truth about God our Father, our loving Heavenly Father that we can pray to, which then governs everything else that follows in this prayer. It's really important. It's this truth about a heavenly Father which then governs everything else as we follow along in this prayer. And as we'll see, that changes our perspective. 
You know, one of the things that I love about living here is the stars. I love looking at the stars at night. There's less shiny lights around us so we can see more of them. Um, I don't miss that about the city at all. And of course, the more you go out bush, the more stars you see. It's just magnificent. I remember as a kid uh, growing up in the sort of suburbia of, of Sydney, um, I witnessed Halley's Comet. That's what it looked like. It was a terrible picture. Apparently, see, you actually can't see it. That's, it's really bad, isn't it? You can't see it, but that's what it looked like when I went and saw Halley's Comet. It's this tiny little thing. It was the most overhyped thing in the world. Um, do you remember Halley's Comet, 996? Remember a few? Did anyone see it better than that picture? Maybe. Oh, you're probably out bush somewhere. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it wasn't much to it. You know, there was a time when we, as human beings, knew very little about the stars and the sun and the planets. In fact, before the 16th century, we thought that the sun revolved around the earth. That's what we thought as human beings. Um, crazy sort of stuff. Uh, maybe it's typical of us humans, isn't it? That we think that everything revolves around us. We're the centre of everything. In 1530, a man named Nicholas Copernicus, there he is, good-looking bloke, he discovered the truth that the earth actually revolves around the sun. It's total reversal of perspective, isn't it? That's what it is. That's what the Lord's Prayer does. Too often you see prayer is about me. The world revolves around me. Uh, me first, my concerns. And in one sense, uh, it's good and right to ask God for things in our lives. We'll see that in a minute. But what ought to shape our asking, what ought to shape our prayers, is God and his concerns. That's what the Lord's Prayer teaches us first up. It's God and his concerns first. It challenges our perspective, doesn't it? It puts prayer back in the right order. Not me first, but God first, and that'll determine what I pray for. So, the first half of the Lord's Prayer is we're asking for God. Put it, if this helps, it's the vertical. The first half of the Lord's Prayer is about the vertical. We're asking for God. The second half of the Lord's Prayer is we're asking for ourselves and our relationships. Let's call that the horizontal, those around us. So, you can see in your outline there, asking for God. Hallowed be your name. It's the first thing we, we, we pray. So the first thing the disciples of Jesus ought to ask God is that his name is hallowed. That means holy. That's what hallowed means. So we're asking for asking, we're acknowledging his purity. We're praying for God's reputation, for God to be known, for God to be honoured, for God to be set apart. That's what holy means. That's what his name refers to. Uh, all that God is. Hallowed be your name. It's not referring to a particular combination of Hebrew letters or anything like that. But all that God is, that's what his name is, his glory, his grace and so on. It's a prayer for God to be known as God everywhere uh, in all his holiness. So praying, so after praying for God's reputation, we then pray for God's rule. Your kingdom come. Again, this is uh, this is. It's, it's revolutionary stuff because our culture today says, I am king. Isn't that right? Our culture, that's what our culture, our culture puts the crown on our own heads instead of on God's head and says, I am king. Now, there's a great ad, a TV ad, a few years ago, um, uh, which played on this idea. It, it showed average people at work, at home, driving, pretending to be royalty, and they were saying, 
I'm not going to quote it. Actually, let's, let's watch the ad for a minute, okay? Enjoy this. I think it's a great ad. I am king. Master of my destiny. Ruler of my fate. The gold I use is mine, not borrowed. I shall live within my means. When vain desire raises its head, I shall cut it off. Not with a sword of steel, but with a will of iron. I am king. I march to the beat of my own drum. I fly the flag of need, not greed. I am king. I dare you to tell me otherwise. I hold the reins. I press the buttons. I call the shots. I bow to no one. I am free. F-Boss, that's what it's advertising. Don't you love the guy who goes, the Queen? It's beautiful, isn't it? I am king. Fascinating insight, isn't it, into our culture, uh, tapping into what many of us really live by, except we don't really say out loud. I'm king. I'm the boss of me. I'm the boss of me. It's not God who's king. I'm king. Jesus, the prayer Jesus taught his disciples to pray has a very different focus, doesn't it? God is king. Not me. God is king. God rules. And to pray your kingdom come is to ask God to rule for everything to come under his control. For ourselves, well, we ask God to reign as king in our hearts, in our lives, uh, to do, it, do things his way. God, you're the boss, not me. You know what's best. You're king. To be obedient to his will. And we pray the same thing for our families, for God's rule in our families, our homes, being places where God's rule uh, is lived by, where we serve each other. We pray for God to rule in our churches, asking God to conform our lives and relationships to the gospel. We pray this for our community too, where strangers would become neighbours, where the poor would be protected, the weak defended, where things flourish for the glory of God. That's praying your kingdom come. We pray it for our nation, that truth and sacrifice and justice would always prevail over selfishness and greed. And we pray that one day our world would be made right when Jesus, God's eternal king, returns in glory. So God comes first, God first. See the vertical? That's how it's structured. It's really important. God first. But that doesn't mean the horizontal has no place. But it is a secondary place. So God invites us to pray to him, to cast our anxieties on him. So next Jesus says we ought to ask God for our daily provision, our daily pardon and our daily protection. Three Ps, you get them? Provision, pardon and protection. Ah, they're written in your outline. How good's that? But these are not just requests for me as individuals. Look at verse 3 and 4. They are all plural. You see that? So this is what we pray for other people as well as ourselves. Ourselves, his church and so on. This is a prayer for the people of God, a prayer for one another. So we ask God to give us our daily bread. Note, we're only asking God for what we need. 
It's a daily ongoing dependence on our Father in heaven. Christians are not to be in the business of stockpiling for selfish motives. But we're also acknowledging that God provides. He's the one who provides us with work and income and an ability to grow food. All, all that's a gift from God. You see, Jesus is also teaching us that our true needs are few. You see that? Jesus did not tell us to pray for duck a l'orange. <laughs> no, 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 no. He just, prayed, he just told us to pray for our daily necessities, our, our daily bread, our contentment, not craving for what God has not given us or promised to give. And sometimes, friends, hear this, possibly much more often in our lives, out of the abundance of his grace, he gives us more than we need. Our response to such occasions must be thankfulness and generosity. Well, next in verse 4, we ask God to forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. So Jesus teaches us to remember who we are and that we ne- what we need before our holy God. We are sinful, we go against God, we put the crown on our own heads and we need forgiveness. We need his mercy and grace. Just as we ask for daily provision, we also ought to ask for daily pardon. That just means asking for forgiveness. It's something we ought to do daily. Not, not, it's not as a starting again experience, I'm becoming a Christian again. It's not that. But it's a trusting in and thanking in God's mercy um, and our need for it as we live in relationship with Jesus because of the death of Jesus. And then such forgiveness, you see, it, also, it then ought to spur us on to forgive others. Now we shouldn't read this little verse 4 here as a condition of our salvation. No, 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 it's not, not like you only are saved by God if you forgive others. It's really an assertion, it's that word. In other words, we forgive because the Lord forgave us. It's actually one of the strongest proofs that you have received God's forgiveness, that you're someone who doesn't bear grudges. You're someone who forgives. For the forgiven, forgive. Is there someone today that you need to forgive? Someone who has done you wrong? Pray, pray for a heart like God's, forgiveness like his. Well, finally, we, we ask God our Father for his daily protection. Lead us not into temptation. There's a recently, uh, I'll show you this ad here. Uh, it's not the ad I was thinking of, I couldn't actually find it. There's a great Jaguar ad which preyed on our human weakness to be tempted. I'll just tell a quick little story here. I think it's quite funny. We had a, the blessing of having a, a, an overseas holiday in the UK many years ago. Or not many, about three or four, three years ago, something like that. Um, and um, I organised a, a hire car through some company, and a uh, reputable company. It was, but the car, I was a bit stingy. I was thinking, well, I, you know, we're going to have it for two weeks. We'll cope by being squashed in together. It'll be fine. So I, I think it was a Ford Escort, which are cars in the UK. A small little car, not, not very big. So I turned up to the car hire place, budget or whatever it was, and I, and I was there and, and um, uh, the guy told me, sorry, we've got no car. No, we don't have one for you. I thought, oh, great. What are we going to do now? You know, 
panic mode. That's what my kids used to criticise me for panicking. Panic mode set in. What are we going to do? And he says, no, no, we've got, we've got one for you. Um, same price. Um, I've got this brand new Jag for you. <laughs> yeah, baby. I'll take the Jag. So we drove around in a Jag for two weeks. Bring it on. We were doing this the whole time. <laughs> Hello, my people. Um, it was very, very funny. We loved the Jag and then we had to give it back and we got on the train. Um, after the end of the holiday. See, this, this particular Jag ad, uh, it's pretty similar to this one. It, was, it tempts us. Uh, this is what it read. It's read it, it, it lists these seven deadly sins, this Jaguar poster ad. The seven deadly sins, uh, that's, that's just not really a biblical thing, but um, lust, greed, pride, sloth, envy, wrath, gluttony. And then the brochure then read, prepare to shift effortlessly from temptation to exhilaration. The all-new XJ8L. Where, where will it lead you? Can you resist? See, friends, too often, when it comes to our temptation, we feel powerless to resist. You know, whether it's sports cars uh, or, or lying or clicking on something into, on the internet that we're not meant to, whatever it might be, that's why we need to pray this prayer every day. Lord, lead me not into temptation because it's hard to resist. So we need to pray this prayer. And the good news is, as we saw a couple of weeks ago in 1 Corinthians 10, the good news is that when we're tempted, well, God always provides a way of escape. Uh, and James even says the trials of temptation can make us stronger as we resist. Let's throw a few things together. Friends, this is how the disciples, learners of Jesus, should pray. We start with God our Father and we ask him to enhance his reputation for him to rule. So that's the vertical. And then we turn horizontal and we ask for our own needs, for our daily provision, for daily pardon and for daily protection. Friends, this is radical countercultural stuff. In a culture that is increasingly anti-God and anti-Jesus, we pray for God to be known, for God to rule. They're not little prayers, are they? And in a culture where normal behaviour is self-promotion, we pray for God's promotion. We pray for God's agenda and not ours. And in a culture that provides a comfort and independence and luxury, what do disciples of Jesus pray? Well, we just pray for our daily bread. In a culture that is convinced of its own goodness and righteousness, we ask God for forgiveness. In a culture that celebrates giving in to temptations, well, we ask God to lead us away. Why don't we pray to God now? Dear God, we thank you for your word. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this prayer that you have taught us your disciples to pray. Lord, we know that these words are not some religious mantra. It's what they mean that counts. And so, Lord, we pray that we would pray to you from our heart. We pray, the Lord, that your rule, that you would rule, that your name would be enhanced, that your reputation would go out in the world. And, Lord, we pray for ourselves too. We pray for our, the, our daily provision Lord, we're sorry that we, we are people who sin. So Lord, we pray for your forgiveness. 
And Lord, we pray for your protection against evil. We pray that when temptation comes, that you would lead us away from it. Guide us with that. Lord, help us as, as parents, as friends, as family, as people who follow you. We pray that you would help us uh, to be people of prayer and people that, that um, uh, know, Lord, that you are, uh, that you are faithful and that you answer our prayers. So we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.